This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. 18 months ago, I did not know Vic Lombardi even existed, which seems a little strange considering we both are similar in age and have enjoyed careers in sports journalism. But Vic works in the professional sports realm, and I cover college athletics. He's in Denver, and I'm focused on the Big 12 region. We had gone about our lives with little reason to meet. Then a common acquaintance on social media connected us for a very good reason. We both had chosen to use our platforms to publicly fight our battles with prostate cancer. Not long after, Becky and I attended a wedding in Golden, Colorado, which is where Vic and his wife, Terry, and their three children call home. Vic and myself encountered very aggressive forms of prostate cancer, but when he had his prostate removed, it appears this cancer remained contained in the prostate, which is very good news. Vic, however, was 49 at the time of his diagnosis, which isn't as rare as the medical community seems to want to claim. By the time we met, I was a bit further down the road in my journey. I was about nine months out of surgery, and he was only a couple, so he was in the process of telling his story in the Denver area. You will quickly see how good Vic is on camera. He previously worked as a television and radio host in South Bend and Austin, Phoenix, and most recently, he was also a sports anchor for Denver CBS4. For the last four-plus years, Lombardi has covered professional sports in Denver for Altitude Sports. With 25 years of experience in the sports industry, Vic is a, ready for this, 32-time Emmy Award winner. He is also the co-host of the Altitude Sports Radio 92.5 Morning Show. Vic is a brilliant communicator, whether about sports or cancer. It's Vic's gift. And I'm overdue to communicate with my friend Vic, who is also, by the way, a first-generation Italian-American. Now let's call Vic Lombardi in Golden, Colorado. Ciao, amico. Come va? Oh, nice. I like your Italian. I, I, I just learned it like 30 seconds ago. Oh, very well done. Just for you. How are you, my friend? I'm good, bud. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Here's a question I never thought I'd ask another man. How's your genitals? <laughs> <laughs> you doing okay? You're, uh, you're fine, aren't you? Yeah, I'm good right now. Yeah. I, I got my next test coming up in June. I love victories. How was your... How about uh, you? I'm kind of in holding. You know, I've, I've been doing this uh, hormone therapy, which would have driven you crazy. You were smart not to do it. I've heard so many bad things about it, so I'm only going to do it when I have to do it. Right, right. And you didn't have to do it. It looks like the surgery got it, and you're good. And Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, you know, they had me on a double dose of it. They had me on uh, not just Lupron, uh, which is kind of the one they use for both breast and prostate, but they also put me on a more aggressive thing called Zytiga. And yeah. uh, it's basically a chemo yeah. pill, yeah. and that shit tore me up. I mean, it it was really effective. My doctors, my oncologist feels like I'm going to be good, um, which is, I don't know what br- brings them to that, because, you know, the hormone therapy gets rid of your testosterone, which means if you do have cancer, it can't be active, but they feel good about it. I had to go off the Zytiga because I have no muscle mass left. I mean, you yeah. you wouldn't have been able to. Maybe you would have. You, it would have been difficult for you to keep up your running regimen on it. Lupron is a little bit less aggressive, 
But uh, the plan's been for me to come off it right now. Um, it should be running out of my system over the next couple months. I was going to maybe take another shot with this coronavirus, but now I've kind of decided, screw it. Let's just, we don't know when the coronavirus is going to go away. I can't sure. take this anymore, man. I have no muscle mass. I have no energy. Sure. I've been no tea for two years now. It just sucks. No, that that part of it, I'm I'm feeling the effects of my my testosterone levels way down. I'm not taking anything, but I, you know, it just is. I mean, given the impact, but and I feel I'm fatigued. I've never been this fatigued in my life. I mean, like there's times I go to bed at eight o'clock at night now, right? And yeah. I just I just go to sleep. I mean, I don't I, I can't stay awake. Yeah, and it's not that's exactly it. It's not like oh I'm tired. I think I'll go to bed. It's like I'm done. I'm I can't yeah, go. It just shuts down. Yep. I mean, your body just. I never. I was never that way. I was always able to get a second wind down. My, I just shut down, and it's no getting up. So yeah, that's my wife's on to my uh, daily naps now. If I'm home and I have an opportunity, yeah. I steal a nap. And they used to be twenty minutes, and now they're an hour. And so yeah, mine mine are usually an hour too. So hey, how am I doing this? Am I doing this via Zoom? No, we're doing it right now. This is it. Oh, oh, okay. This is okay, it. Let me get. Oh, okay. I didn't know how to. I got a better little. I took out a speakerphone. I didn't know exactly how to oh, how to go about it. Hey, see now that sounds better. Yeah, no, I was fine before. No, this is it. I I've been calling friends up. Um, I think you're what number seventeen and just oh, that's shoot, great. Just shooting the shit. Yes, and that's the that's podcast. Great. That's the podcast. We talk oh, about. I didn't know that. Yeah, we just talk about sports. We talk about life. We talk about whatever we want to talk about. My oh my buddy Nick Lecky, who played in the NFL for a number of years. Uh, we screwed around the whole time. We talked about stupid stuff, and and other times I, you know, I talked to Brad Underwood at University of Illinois the other day, and it was pretty serious. We talked about, oh, right. grew up together, and like that. So, oh, <clears throat> you've been staying busy though. You've been just keeping up your normal pace, haven't you? I have. Uh, yeah, I've not. I've not reduced any of my work schedule. I still do my radio show in the morning, seven to ten, and then I do well. Pre-COVID, uh, I would have my nugget schedule, you know, hosting that show. Then I've got my own television show I do once a week. I do that. So it's uh, it's been a you know, nothing, nothing's changed now. I just do all that stuff remotely from home except for yeah. the basketball. There's no basketball. It's amazing how uh, agile we've been as an industry. You know, I, I've got nice studios in my office. And I'm like, nope, doing from home now. Got a little soundboard here and mixer. Yeah. And let's just do it. Doesn't sound quite as good, but... It's good enough. I've seen some stuff on TV that four months ago you were they would have never done. But it, it well, is what it is. It's funny how you mentioned that it comes in waves. Like the YouTube uh, world changed the way local television is done. Twenty years ago, when I was in local television, everything was on how how the picture was being broadcast, how the photographers, you know, framed the shot. Everything had to be perfect. Everything had a tripod. And then YouTube came around and people were like submitting shit off their phones and, right. and nobody cared. I mean, just show me the video. I don't, I don't care how you frame it. Just show me the video. So that changed it. And now this is changing live television before it's all, oh, it's gotta be clear. It's gotta be concise. Everything that now it's like, ah, just put the person on the air. It doesn't matter. So you're right. It's changed everything. Well, and the equipment now is incredible. We we're kind of nerds. We watch American Idol. And of course, those kids are performing from home, and they've given them the the iPhone, whatever the latest one is, and uh-huh. a ring light. And man, it looks fantastic! It looks incredible. Yep. And it's just the technology's no. come so far. Can you imagine if COVID hit twenty years ago? Pre, <laughs> all the, I mean, I mean, it'd be <laughs> different world. Kids, let me tell you about the telegraph. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how's your how's your business? We are mostly unaffected as of now, but this is our slow time anyhow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, K-State had decided not to take place in postseason basketball long before a virus. They just did it by losing a lot. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the easy way out. Yeah. And so it really didn't impact us from that standpoint. Recruiting's gotten a little bit different. I mean, it's, you know, they're still out there doing it. I had Brad Underwood tell me it's, it's kind of interesting. They're doing it Juco style. You he talks to the kids on the phone. Now you can video conference and that kind of stuff. But you didn't have the budget to go travel anywhere, and nobody's traveling. So it's old school right now. And so that's still ongoing. That's a big part of our business. But we've been mostly unaffected. We we haven't really lost subscribers because I think everyone's optimistic football will take place. That's when it'll get a little hairy for our industry. It really will. Ad dollars yeah. are down. Advertisers just don't want to spend money right now. They're pulling in 
their horns and being careful. Sure. So, but it's it's good. I, I'm I'm wondering when uh, that's going to change. Like you're right about ad dollars. I wonder when people are going to be uh, eager to come back. That that that's the thing that I wonder. It's not about whether they're going to come back. They will, but when? What's the timeline yeah. of all this shit? Yeah, I know. I, I I know. It's this is such an unknown, man. I just it it's crazy, and we're old farts. We don't we don't deal with this very mm-hmm. well. Um, trying to adjust like this, but. It's just what you got to do. It's what life is right now. And uh, I think things will kind of settle into normal if we don't have a significant second wave and we can play football in some form, even if it's a limited crowd in some form, play football and it'll be on TV. Do you know anybody with COVID? Yeah. One of my earlier podcasts uh, was with a journalism instructor for Kansas State who was the first one in our county to have it. He came back from London with it and he was on a uh study abroad trip with some students and came back with it and his entire family, his wife and two daughters got it. He, he was the most serious. He was the only one that was hospitalized with it and it got a little, hairy, oh, so he, yeah. But, so he went to the hospital. I was wondering about that. Cause there are some people who, yeah, it's just a cough and a you know, flu and then other people that go to the hospital. So I'm just curious as yeah, to he was, how it affects some people. He was never on the vent, but he was on oxygen. He was in there for, I don't know, three, four days. He was in, you know, he was, hmm. He was on the cusp of it, but he's a pretty healthy guy for being in his 50s and fought it off. His wife didn't really have any problems. They just had that bad chest cold. Well, I think one of his yeah. daughters lost her taste and smell for a little bit, which is so weird. Mm-hmm. But um, I could use that. I could lose my yeah. taste and not want to eat for a few days. That'd be nice. That would be. <laughs> but uh, it kind of worked out well. He flew back and... Uh, he said the flight was so empty, they were isolated from everyone. So um, not, I don't, hmm. none of the students got it, I don't think. So it, it's good. It, it was all good. Hmm. But it was an interesting interview. That's the Life of Fitz podcast. You're, you're currently on it, and that's available on Apple and Spotify and other places. But I like I like this kind of podcast. There's nothing like formal about it. You just talk. No, no, and that's what I've been saying it over and over. Every one of them's different. It's just hmm. that. I'm locked in my house. I'm really not supposed to leave very often, although I was naughty over the weekend, you know, just for safety. I don't have active cancer right now, so I'm probably okay. But, I mean, my, my concern with COVID really, to be honest, is I'm obese and I'm not in very yeah. good shape to start with. So my lung capacity yeah. sucks, so it might be really bad on me, cancer aside. But that's the premise. Plus, plus I, don't, I don't feel like coughing all day. Just the, the notion of coughing all day, just uh, that's scary. I, I don't like coughing to begin with. Especially dry coughs that aren't doing anything. <clears throat> yeah. I like yeah. to accomplish something with a cough. If you're going to cough, get a big old muffin coming out of there. Exactly. That's, yeah, I, yeah, that's a deal. you got to have the reward. But, <laughs> yeah. So I thought, what am I going to do? I can only do so much at at home. Um, I've got other guys doing a lot of writing, and I thought, I'll just start a new podcast. I'll just call people and BS for 45 that's not a that's not a bad idea has anybody hung up on you yet no these are all friends mm. these are all friends okay. they they probably want to but they know i'll i'll call them out are you planning on you just, are you gonna are you gonna hang up on me no no not not one bit i good. mean it depends depends on what you say but no i'm good <laughs> it's, it's always, so have, have, have you have gotten out of your have you gotten out of your house at all i mean like i've gotten out of my house hell i've, I've been playing golf yeah uh no um well i have uh, yesterday, I had to go back to the Home Depot to get a few things. I mean, everyone goes, mm-hmm. you can't leave your house, but, you know, just work on your house. I'm like, well, I need stuff to work on my house. Yeah. Uh, um, can magically construct stuff. Yeah. And then uh, I went to one of our favorite restaurants to pick up food, and they've got a great setup. They've got a they've got a patio, and they've converted one of their windows, and they put in, like, barn door um, shutters so they can open it oh. up and serve you right off their back patio and they're distant from you. It, it was pretty slick. Just wheel up, pick up your food, wheel out. It was awesome. I can't imagine how many of those restaurants are going to be shuttered forever. I just can't even imagine it. Uh, it hasn't hit the headlines here, but I think we got two pretty significant ones in the area that are that are already gone. Yeah. They just it wasn't really the virus. It was the last straw. You know, it might sure. have been something else yeah. that came along, but it was just like, well, we're kind of hanging on. Now we're not hanging on. So they. Well, yeah. I mean, so many of those restaurants are barely hanging on no matter what. I mean, making money on, in a restaurant is hard enough as it is. I know. Shit. And I think a lot of them will reopen and realize, well, we don't have the funds to keep going. We're done. 
So yeah. it's it's going to be really sad. It's going to realign parts of our economy, and unfortunately, it's going to be a lot of people I admire that had the balls to go start their own thing, and and then it blows up on them. Hopefully, they'll get saved. But yeah, um, you know, we're in a college down here, and the students never came back from spring break. That's a lot of income for all kinds of businesses. You know, bars and restaurants most significantly, but anything in town, gas stations, liquor stores. Well, the students not coming back for the two final months of school is just horrible for them. I've got two kids in college. They're both back home with me. Uh, one goes to CU here in uh, Boulder. The other one goes to Loyola Marymount in L.A. And I'm paying for college, obviously, but I'm also paying for empty apartments in which they do not live right now. Yeah, that sucks. So that's that's fun. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? You got you got leases and and all these kids that come home. They're doing their courses via Zoom, via computers. So I think one one thing that's going to change after this, and the folks at K-State, it's a public institution, so then it's not going to impact them as much. But like this higher education, the cost of it, the, the absolute lunacy and where it's going, yep. it's got to change. There's no way that those prices can continue to go up. No chance. No, because people have now sampled online learning. And if yeah. they feel like they can function with it, why not pay someone uh, that is going to be lower cost? Weirdly enough, Kansas State, it's more expensive to study online than in the classroom. I can't explain really? that. It doesn't make any sense, or so I'm told. Uh, I, and I think the real the bite in the butt for institutions is going to be this fall when, you know, maybe your kids decide, well, I don't really want to go back to school and be social distant from everyone. Let's just take the fall off. Uh, and those schools yeah. are going to miss out on a lot of income because I think there's going to be a big enrollment drop, at least on campus. Um, it's going to hurt communities like this, too. Oh, I totally see that happening. But And the other factor, too, is, you know, if you're paying this price for higher education and the economy's tank, what job are you going to get? Yeah. I mean, these, these kids that are graduating now, good, good luck. Where are you going? What are you going to do? And let's be honest, guys like you and I uh, have a pretty limited skill set. We we talk, and well, I don't have a skill set. It's just yeah, it's doing right. what we're doing now. Right. If that's a skill, I don't I don't know what to call it. Right. I, if I have to do something for a living, I, I don't know. I I'm 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 lost. I I've got some friends down in uh, northern Arkansas. And they've got a resort, a small like 1960 style resort mm-hmm. on the shores of one of the Lake of the Ozarks. And I always told him that uh, in, if the apocalypse comes, I'm coming here. And Michael, who's mm-hmm. a former law enforcement officer and a hunter fisherman, so he's got a lot of skills, uh, said, well, mm-hmm. what, what do you bring to the table? And I thought about it. I thought, I can whine. I can, I can bitch about stuff. That's, that's mm-hmm. one of my skill sets. I'm a good eater. I'm not, I can't produce food, but I can. Uh, that's pretty much it. That wraps it up. If you need a newsletter, I could put that out for, for the uh, group. That's it. Well, my my endeavor fits when this thing happened. I said, I, I you know, the first week I said, I'm going to write a book. I am. I've always wanted to write one. I said, I'm going to get motivated. I'm going to use this time. I'm going to collect some anecdotes. I'm going to go back through all of my archives. I'm going to write a book. And I'm 50 days in, and I have yet to even start the beginning <laughs> phase of thinking about how to write a book. Uh, it's, uh, it's quite an undertaking. Yeah. It's quite. Wow. Yeah, I I can't even you know the, the, those of you who are well written I can't I, I I just can't do it I, I it's just too intimidating to me I just can't do it. It's kind of like running a marathon, brother. You got to build up yeah. to it, and then you just run that first mile, and then you do the second mile, and pretty soon you get twenty six chapters, and it's a complete work. Yeah, so. you're right, but it's just scary just to start the first mile. That's the problem. Yeah, when I look at a marathon, I I poop myself, and you look at a book, you feel the same way, and it's kind of the I'm not running a marathon either. Sorry, uh, I run, but two and a half miles is my my version of a marathon. I ain't going 26. You're crazy. You could build up to it. I got faith in you, man. You're you're a healthy guy. I'm gonna tell you this right now. Those people that can keep going and running and running, they uh, all the respect in the world for me. I cannot do that. Yeah. No chance in hell. I just can't. I've tried. I've tried. My body just shuts down. And the body can't do it. Your body just takes a beating. No, no doubt. Well, I did landscape work this weekend. Trust me, I I know exactly what the body. I, I shoveled rocks. I had to put rocks in my backyard around where dead grass was. So I took a, a truckload of rock from my brothers who had some extra rock, 
And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be great. And for the last two days, I haven't been able to sleep well. I can't sit without pain. I can't stand without pain. I can't talk without pain. And it's just been disaster. I'll never do that again without help. Yeah, uh, that's funny. I mean, because we're facing a big landscaping project because we've got three dogs and they are, we don't have grass now. We have like weeds that kind of looks like grass, but mostly we have dirt with rock mm-hmm. areas around it because dogs just, their little feet tear it up. So we're going to go to a rock landscape back there and people are like, just do it yourself. And I'm like, do you know how many tons of rock I'll need for yeah. you know, a backyard that I don't know how many square feet it is, but it's pretty big. So we're going to have that one done. I'm not going to haul rock. I'm passing yeah. my life. If I had to do it all over again, I would have done the same thing. That was just a bad endeavor on my part. Not healthy. Well, uh, one of the things I want to talk to you about, because I was fascinated by it, is is your upbringing. I, I agreed you in Italian for a reason. You're first generation. You're here. I mean, yeah, my parents moved here in 1966. They uh, they came from a, a small small village in southern Italy, central southern Italy, not too far from Naples. Uh, and at the time, you know, everybody was leaving there because there was nothing. I mean, they were living off the land, and there was no work. So a lot of the people that grew up there, uh, their their kids would leave and try and go find work elsewhere in other parts of Europe. Some went to Argentina. Uh, My parents followed some cousins and uh, my great-grandfather who came here originally uh, to Denver. And uh, they made their way to Denver, Colorado. It's an interesting way to get around the world, but this is where they found their home. That is fascinating. They picked Denver. You know, I mean, I asked, I asked so my many... parents all the time. Yeah, I said, like, why not San Diego? No, Denver, Denver, because that's where the railroad was at the time, and that's mm-hmm. where my dad worked. Looking back at the history of this country, it all was based around the transportation and the ability to move commerce. It started with the rivers, then the railroad, and then other things. And that's why Kansas City was such an important hub to the West, is because of the railroad. Sure. That railroad went right on to Denver to keep moving. Yep beef and other commerce in both directions. It's pretty incredible. Yep. That's the one thing my dad knew because he worked for the railroad in Switzerland when he was a kid, huh. a teenager, and uh, and that's the one piece of work he could do. So that's that was his instant way in when he came here to Denver. He found his first job at Burlington Northern Railroad and worked there for 26 years. Amazing. I can't even imagine the thought of picking my family up and moving them to, I don't even know where, you know, just somewhere in the United States, let alone crossing an ocean to go to a country where we don't speak the language to start a new life. That is so far out of my realm of understanding. It just amazes me how many people did it. Well, most of us, right? I mean, I, like, I, I've got three uh, siblings. I've got two younger brothers and a younger sister, and, and we talk about it all the time. But whatever we do in life, whatever accomplishments, whatever, wherever we go, it will all pale in comparison to our parents just picking up at ages 23 and 21 and going across the world and saying, yeah, well, let's, let's, let's try this. So that, that to me is amazing. That's the, that's the most, that's the bravest move you can make, yep. to be honest with you. So nothing we do approaches that. Well, before this hit, it was funny. I, I saw a video, uh, someone posted of Lake Como and I'm like, Becky, I, I'm not much of a traveler with going over to Europe and Northern Italy and Switzerland. I, that's on my list. And then this shit hits, and mm-hmm. that area just got nailed. I mean, it was yep. really the worst in the world with the COVID-19 and how serious it got. Yeah, and there's a lot of speculation as to why. Um, they had a lot of events that took place during an outbreak. That That's one of them. Um, how it got there from Wuhan originally, there's a lot of you know, textile factories that Italians lean on uh, Chinese textile workers and parts and all that. So Northern Italy is rife with that. So there's a lot of reasons and, and, and speculation as to why. But um, my parents, same way, my parents go back to Italy every year. Like my, my, my grandfather's still alive. He's 96 years old. So my mom wants to go visit him and we go back to the village. I went there just last uh, September. So they go every year, and they were supposed to fly out June 13th of this year, mm-hmm. but that ain't happening. Uh, my mom wants no part of that because she's seen the video and all that. So they're going to wait a while to go back, and 
that's going to devastate Italy because Italy's you know economy is based on tourism. Yeah. That that I mean, you make all the wine you want, all the olive oil, but without tourism, that country's in deep doo doo. So uh, it's a lot of people are in your shoes. It just looks incredible. It looks like it's CGI created set. It's so beautiful in northern Italy. It just looks fake. It is. In, in northern Italy, is there are two different countries, northern Italy and southern Italy. Right. They, they, they can almost be separate countries. The, the southern part of the uh, boot is where all the uh, – that's all the farming. That's where all the food is made. It's all it's cultivated. And the, the northern part is the industrial part of Italy where, you know, there's a nice wine country, but it's where business is made. So they're, they're two entirely different countries when you think about it. Well, growing up, that culture was, you told me some incredible stories about the food. And I mean, I'm just, I love Italian culture. And I was watching something the other night and it was an Irish Catholic family. I'm Irish, but uh, we mm-hmm. we changed affiliations at somewhere along the way. Fitzgerald's a very Catholic name and we changed teams. And I was struck by how similar they are with the Irish Catholic, Italian Catholic and the just a sense of you, family. It was amazing. Yeah. Are you saying we drink a lot? Because that, that, that's, that's yeah, that's, that's true. One of them. That was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is. It's parents, part of the culture. Sure. Yeah, I grew up drinking wine when I was ten, twelve years old. I, wine, table wine was always part of our our diet. So it's it's funny when I see people react to that today, and they're like, well, "Wait, it's just a can." Like it's just wine. You know, and that's why they don't have that many issues over there. Uh, as we do here, just the taboo subject nature, because it's part of your diet. And um, my parents made their own wine since they moved here. It's it's a cool process. It's a it's almost a family bonding moment, to be honest with you, that time of year when wine is made. Still do it to this day. All my um, knowledge about how to make wine is based on one I Love Lucy episode. And I don't think it's very <laughs> accurate. I don't <laughs> I don't think that's exactly how I want to do it. Uh, no, it's not. It's a lot easier these days. Before, <laughs> they used to stomp the grapes. They they go through the whole process. Today, you just buy you buy the grape juice essentially, and it's already pre you know expunged. You don't have to worry about doing that whole process. You just buy it and then ferment it. It's not that hard. It's cool. I mean, the Scotch Irish and and whiskey and all, all that we brought over to the culture and the wine from Italy. There is there are a lot of similarities here, but it's. Have you ever been to Ireland? I have not. I really, yeah. I I don't. I'm such a big guy. I don't like to travel. Um, we went to Hawaii. Uh-huh. That was a five hour flight from the west coast to the islands, and, and that was kind of pushing my limit. I think I could do it now. I've lost a little weight here with COVID, which is amazing. Uh, mostly because I can't leave to eat crappy food. I I cook at home a lot sure. more. My wife cooks at home. I hope once I get on the other side of this, get uh, my testosterone back and get back in the gym and lose a little weight, maybe we will cross the Atlantic and get to Ireland and and go see some things that we really want to see. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. So with the whole uh, low T and having the urge and energy to get in the gym and, and do stuff, does it just zap your will to, to, to work? Does it zap your urge to move? What does it do? Yeah, it really does. I mean, you're just tired all the time, and you just get used yeah. – you, you kind of grow used to it. Um, yeah. You, you, well, like you sound it, energetic. You, you, sound, you sound great. Well, I, this is kind of like sex. I can fake this. Yeah. Um, I, uh, like anything else. I mean, if you're disabled in one way, you kind of learn to 
deal with it. And that's uh-huh. kind of the way I am with low energy. You just got to manage the energy you have. You can't put it into things that aren't going to be useful. I, honestly, I had to cut back on my drinking a lot because I don't recover as much and it zaps my energy and the next day I'm useless. So, I mean, even if I don't really get drunk, drunk, I'm just having fun. I, it's still just don't have much left in the tank. So you just got to learn to live with it and deal with it. But I would like to get on the other side of it. It's the it's the little things without having testosterone that change that really throw you off. I, I think I told you this story when we met out in Denver for dinner with our wives. But when they first flipped off my testosterone and I was driving down the street and I saw, because this is a true story. This is not just a joke. I saw a very attractive girl running with her dog and I checked out her dog and I knew <laughs> right then a lot had changed about me because I, sure. I, I really like a scene will come on in a movie. I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, I'm like a grandpa now. You know, that's this stuff. Let's get out of the nonsense. Let's move on. You know, it's like, get to the plot. Right. This and I don't need these boobies. Get them out. So it's, it's, it's weird. It is really weird. Um, they, they've neutered me, which probably, you know, is good for mankind, but, uh, I would like to have a little energy back. So give me a little tea and I can start building some muscle mass again, because it wasn't like, uh, I could afford to get flabbier. And I've, I've managed that. It's just, it's awful. It's horrible. And you, um, then when you're heavy, it starts weighing. I've got a bad knee from volleyball. I've got bad shoulders from other sports. And so all that starts to really hurt. Backs out of joint, you know, just all that stuff. So when they take, when they, when you no longer have to take these drugs, does the testosterone automatically yeah. start to, uh, yeah. Scaling up, or yeah. do you have to take anything to get get it back? Uh, you can. They typically it'll scale itself back up, um, just kind of slowly build, and it takes about two months to get it going. And then, if your cancer's there in any significant amount, it'll start metabolic activity again. Your PSA will rise um, because yeah. then what do you do? Uh, yeah, then uh, we'll figure out where it's at. It's probably still my bladder, and they will probably take my bladder out at that point. So the, the testosterone will automatically raise the PSA. Now, if the cancer's not there, will it raise the PSA? No. Or is that just, no. Your no, PSA okay. is measuring uh, active prostate cells, um, which okay. you and I shouldn't have. We don't have a prostate. So yeah. if, if I'm registering a PSA, uh, it means cancerous prostate cells are somewhere in my body. See, Vic, that's okay. one of the things I didn't understand about cancer that I learned. Uh, when cancer spreads, it's not like... Uh, you had it in your prostate, and now your bladder cells have cancer. Your prostate cells have mutated and migrated. So you actually have sure. cancerous prostate cells in different parts of your body. And that's why it trips the PSA, even if you don't have a prostate. So if it starts showing up, I've got yeah. I, the cancers there in some form. The good news for PSA and the fact that it is prostate cancer is that you do have a barometer to which right. you can measure, right. unlike other cancers where you have no way to measure it. Right. So at least at least you can you can chase this with something. But my question to you though, with the, with the testosterone, so how does the testosterone, the increased testosterone, why does that automatically bring back the cancer? I, I just don't understand that leap. Well, the cancers. Uh, if it's there, it's there. It's just not metabolically active. It's it's its food source. So it's oh, I see. It's, it's just laying in. So it's sleeping. Right. It's dormant. It's sleeping. Right. It's like I got nothing to eat, so I'm just gonna chill. Yep. Yep. And then uh, you know, people say, "Why don't you stay on the hormone treatment?" We well, just can't. Your body, you can't no, do it no, men- mentally or physically. It it just kind of yeah. wears you out. And you want to get on with life. You know. Yeah. If I have to do it for my whole life, I'll do it. But. Uh, really, you want to get on with life. Let's find out if this shit's still there. Um, and if it is, let's get that bladder out. Let's do chemo. Let's do whatever the next fight is. It's just uh, kind of how your mentality is. You, you, you know, you know this. You handle what's in front of yeah. you. And when you start worrying about stuff that is down the road, it freaks you out. That's when you freak out. But, yeah, because, you know, the uncertainty is what right, freaks you out. You right. just don't know what it is. But Just handle what's there and... If you know people are like, oh, take the bladder out, and I'm like, look, um, I haven't slept through the night for years and years, and I'll yeah. uh, the ten days after my surgery when I was still on the the bag and the catheter, I slept mm-hmm. through the night. Woke up in the morning and emptied my bag. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll just make the most of whatever happens, and so be it. 
when they when they originally found it, did they find it in your bladder wall, or was no, it in the bladder one? Mine was so aggressive they didn't know it had spread. They knew it was in my prostate, and the biopsy showed 70% one side, uh, no evidence on the other side, which means they might have just missed it. Um, yeah. because it hit core samples. So they don't really know the whole thing. But yeah. uh, then when my doc got in there, he was astonished to see, I had a, a six week window basically roughly from, from biopsy to surgery, which is a pretty fast turnaround, um, uh, because they knew mine was aggressive because the rise of my PSA score was hyper. So they went in there and they, he said, as soon as I got in the field, I knew we had problems because the prostate was fully involved with cancer and it had broken out, and he said, you know, bad cancers just look evil. It's like the more evil mm-hmm. it looks, the worse it is. Cancer literally does mm-hmm. it. And he said, yours was bad. It looked bad. And had tentacles reaching out and grabbed hold of your bladder, mm-hmm. and it climbed up in your bladder. And uh, I asked him why he didn't take the cancer off my bladder, and he said, well, it was it was in your bladder. I, it mm-hmm. crawled up your bladder, not in your bladder. I would have taken your bladder out. And he said, one, I didn't want to tell you that after you woke up that that's going to be mm-hmm. a shock. And two, he goes, I, I don't think you would have survived. Um, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'm a fan of survival. So that's, I'm glad we didn't mm-hmm. take that risk. But yeah. So he said, I decided on the table, we're going to kick this can down the road and see what the future holds. And that's where we're at. Yeah. That, and that's the only thing that keeps me up at night is the aggressive nature of mine too. I, I was a Gleason nine. Yep. So, you know, Gleason nine says that's a, that's a one stop away from the worst you can get. Yep. And, you know, you get all these weird stats, you know, reoccurrence levels and all that. My reoccurrence chances are 72%. And those kind of numbers just stay with you. And you're like, damn it, I'm going to do everything I can not to have that happen. But, you know, you're at the mercy. Yeah. You get to that point where you're like, man, you can eat right. You can exercise right. You can do everything you think is right. But if it feels like going coming back, it's coming back. So you just got to can't quit. But at the same time, you can't control it. Nope. You can hope. You can't control it. That's it. Nope. Uh, yeah. That's the thing is when it's as aggressive as yours and mine was, if there's just a couple cells that got out, that went somewhere, mm-hmm. that are just sitting somewhere, they've started the process of replicating and replicating. That's why you need to keep monitoring that PSA score um, because mm-hmm. it's exponential. Once it starts replicating, it boom, 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 boom. And it, it eventually takes off on you. And um, I've talked to guys that, were exactly in this position and they thought they were okay. And then two years later, there it is. But it, this, how often do you uh, get your PSA tested? I'm every three months right now. Every three yeah, months. So am I. And yeah. unfortunately, you- I had a great oncologist in Kansas city and he selfishly took a job in the uh, university of Rochester. So he moved and I got a, he was an expert in exactly my cancer. So he was the perfect guy for yeah. prostate cancers that get into the bladder. That was his area of expertise. And, and, uh, now I got to find someone new. I'm going to see his partner. Well, you're going to have one. You're going to have to vacation in Rochester a few more times. You know, when you say you're going to get to vacation, I thought you were going to say come out to Denver to see my guy, or or maybe you know Rochester is a place. There's a good place in uh, Italy. Uh, Rochester is not on my high on my vacation yeah. list. When is your next PSA? Uh, it's going to be coming up. I've got an appointment on my phone. Yeah, I got to. Go to Kansas City. I did the last thing I did before the lockdown was um, I covered the Big 12 tournament, of course, came home. And then I had uh, my TV show recorded on that following Sunday night. And it was our last one because there's no NCAA tournament. And then I drove in to see my oncologist the Monday, which had been the Monday after what should have been Selection Sunday. And uh, I drove home. Came back into town. It's a two-hour drive to Kansas City. Came back to town, stopped at the, the big grocery store on the other side of town, loaded up on stuff, came home, and didn't set foot off my property for 45 days. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. You went deep. Yeah, I, I got my check um, right before COVID hit, and I got one of those false laboratory results right. where, yeah, I, I got the number back, and I'm like, oh, shit, it's back. And then the next day, I went to my original labs. Yeah, I, I took this one in a different lab where they had a different um, yep. a gauge, a different um, floor on what. So then I went to my original lab, and they're like, oh, no, you're fine. 
that, 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 that freaked me out. I didn't realize that there's such a variance in labs. Well, that's the problem with PSA scores is, is that's why some people are against them is they, they give false positives and I'm like, well, it's better than uh, not knowing you're positive at all. Mm-hmm. But which yeah. is what happens? Still scares the shit out of you. Oh, freak! Yes, I would not want yeah. that at all. That would, I would. Yeah. I would say I'd piss myself, but that's that's pretty much not a big deal anymore. That's uh-huh. that's one thing you've got me beat in. You are a better Kegler than me and can maintain your bladder much better than me. That's. But I was doing it early on. I was yeah. Keg- I was doing that early on, so I I, I don't have any issues today, uh, like I did the first month. Yeah. But occasionally, I'll still have you know the occasional whoa, hey, you know <laughs> that, that that'll still happen. What happened? I mean, it's not life like before. That's for damn sure. Like I played golf the other day, and I I hit a shot, and I was like, okay, I peed. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's that's part of life. Yeah, I uh... good shot. It's worth it. <laughs> My thing was the radiation. I did 39 doses of targeted radiation, and I was better off, oh, I don't know, a month out of surgery than I am now. I mean, I was doing really well. I was actually going out in the world sometimes without any kind of pad. And then, yeah, the radiation doctor says people don't understand that it it, it beats you up just, yeah. if not worse, as bad as the surgery can because. Oh. It's just constant. It's constant, and it you know what'd you say? Six weeks, three weeks of radiation. Yeah, I did two months. Yeah, two months. Okay, yeah. So it doesn't go away. No, I asked him. I said, if so, if it comes back, do more radiation. And my radiology oncologist looked at me and goes, "Oh hell no! You've had as much as your body can take." Mm. So um, if we could do another area, we could. Like he said, I've had a guy with bone it metastasized in his bones and. We'd find it in a leg, a thigh bone, and we'd zap that. And we'd find it in his arm, we'd zap that. And uh, we chased it all over his body until the cancer gave up. So, um, Interesting. Yeah, it's it's nasty yeah. stuff. It's fun. I was supposed to, you know, I, my doctor told me you I was going to have that radiation uh, right after surgery. And, you know, three months passed. And then he said, well, you know what, let's, let's, let's sit and wait because you, you're doing fine. He's showing no reoccurrence right now. Let's, you know, everything looks good. Let's just wait on it. So I said, okay, good for me. And yeah. that it's been a year now and I'm waiting. Well, knowing that now that I know that it's a card you only play once, that's great for you. You still got that in your, you know, if you really need to, you can still go to the radiation because my docs think yeah. it worked. They, they gave it about a 27% chance of working, but they think they got it. So like good, good. shit and text. Good job. Well, again, I mean, anything that throws fire in there, you, you always worry about it, but that's exactly what it is. You're just throwing focused fire at your groin area. And it, you know, like they said, I, it's like shooting a gun. You, you, you shoot a gun at something and the bullet goes through it. it you don't, you got to make sure what's on the other side of it. And that's what happens. Radiation will go through that area and, you know, end up in your colon or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's been delightful. It's been mm-hmm. delightful. Um, what do you miss the most about sports right now? Uh, seeing people, Just, being around yeah, people, yeah, being exactly. in the crowd. You and I are so alike. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you watch enough sports on television and whatever you have left here and just being able to experience it with people. Sports is supposed to be communal. Right. It's not supposed to be individual. You're not supposed to just sit here and, you know, jump up and down by yourself in your freaking living room. You, you need somebody with you. You need to share it with people. And it's just not the same when you can't share it. Um, at the actual arena or stadium, that that's that's number one and number two. I, 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 I do miss, I do miss driving as much as I hate to say this because I hated that part of it. I miss actually having something to plan to go to. You know, like I'm I'm going to this event. I got this event that's on the calendar. I'm going there. That that just doesn't exist. And not having that is uh, throw, sort of throwing me for a loop. That's so true. You know, hey, I've got to be at the arena at this time, so I need yeah. to get this, this, and this done. Um, yeah. it's And, you know, for me, going to, like, the Big 12 tournament or Big 12 media days or you know, any time a school's visiting that I have a lot of friends in the opposing media, it's the social aspect of it is so good. You know, you just see so many people that you value in your life. Yeah, I went to the NBA All-Star game in Chicago uh, a few weeks before this all started happening. And, you know, meeting old friends, going, you know, social hour, going to right. dinner with folks. I mean, 
that seems so foreign to me now. It's like, wow, remember the good old days when you could interact with people and not have people <laughs> jeer at you? I mean, that, that that's, yeah, it's another element. It's all hand in hand, man. It's all part of the deal. It's all part of the punishment that's beset us. I, I don't know what else to call it. I mean, yeah. you know, when you're in this business, you're in it for a reason. You're in it because you like people. You like to share things with people. You like to share stories with people. And now um, you have to do it remotely. And that's not that's it's not as fun. And I'm a hugger, so this has really shut me down. I got nothing. I've been yeah. giving air hugs from six feet away. They're not quite as effective. So nope, 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 nope. No, I, I, I don't know what to do. I miss, I miss playing. I, I'm a basketball player. I play a lot of pickup basketball, and I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what that's going to look like when we do that again. Like, no. what, what do I do? Do I, do I cover the skies closely in the post as I did before? Do I? Do I high five after a maybe? What do I? How do I react? What do I do with my hands? And and that's just a weird deal that I've thought about. I don't I don't know how we get back to that quickly. It's going to take some time to adjust. Yeah, when I was sitting there at the Big Twelve tournament, we're on the very front end of it. Uh, you know, when people are just beginning to worry, and then you know the tournament had started the first round or the first day. And I'm watching the game, and I'm like, this is the perfect way to spread this virus. These guys banging mm-hmm. into each other, and lo and behold, boom, it happened in the NBA. It just spread like mm-hmm. just. I was at the Nuggets-Mavericks game uh, in Dallas the, the night that the uh, the league was suspended. And I, and I sought Mark Cuban, found him, interviewed him about – it was just so surreal because all these people in the stands, they're all getting the same information on their cell phones. So they're reading this. I'm reading it. And, you know, I'm doing sideline for the Nuggets broadcast, and the game is now secondary. Nobody cares about the game anymore. I'm watching fans react. Some of them are leaving. Others are like, damn, this is the last time we're going to see. We didn't know when we would see an organized basketball game again. Yeah. And and that was it. It was, God, it felt like it two years ago. I know. And you look at the calendar, and you're like, that wasn't that long ago. Nope. That, that's my thing is – we, if we get the equal amount of time down the road, we're still not at football season, and and maybe we'll get there. I don't know. I'm 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 trying to remain hopeful. I wrote a column. I've got to have the hope of football, and I think a lot of people are that way. Well, that's why I'm glad the NFL was so resolute in doing what they did right. with the draft and with the schedule. Right. They're like, hey, listen, if it, it changes, it changes, but we're going to make this schedule happen. We're going to give people hope. We're going to give them hope that the season starts on this day. You look at the schedule, and on this day – we're going to watch football. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But give them credit for at least standing by that. Yep. I need it. And I think a lot of people need it. I've said this from the start. I'm worried about this country if there's no football. That'll be a giant leap for our society when people are like, we have no football. Especially in certain markets. In certain markets, it means a whole lot more than others. And um, I agree with you. That's that's a huge deal, man. That's a um, people People forget, and we haven't forgotten because we're in the industry, Sports is a fabric of our society as much as anything else. It is an industry that is as beneficial to our mental health as anything right. out there. So um, we're finding out that firsthand. But once football season gets impacted, that's a whole different animal. Yeah, and if we don't have football, I'm blaming Tampa because they got Tom Brady and it did set off the apocalypse. It really <laughs> did happen. Well, the worst is to get Tom Brady and not be able to get to see him play. <laughs> Here's a million dollars. You can't spend it. Yeah, yeah. Just, just exactly. know that you have it. Yeah, it's uh, these are crazy, crazy times. I'm, I'm ready to get busy, but I stopped traveling with my health. I, I just came to realize that I got really good young employees or healthier employees. Just let them do the legwork, and I'll sit here and and just stay at home. So I stopped, but I, I am curious to see how I'll react. If they do have football in the fall, if I'll want to go sit in a press box with a bunch of other people, even if I'm wearing a face mask, I don't know that I would. Well, the traveling part sucks. I mean, we, you know, I traveled when I traveled this uh, last season, I traveled with the team. So right. we traveled a charter with the Nuggets. Which is great. And talking to my colleagues, I don't think that'll ever happen again. I think those days are gone. They're not going to travel with, you know, with media on board. They're going to. They're gonna, that circle of people in their traveling board, that, that is going to be just the essentials. And I mean the essentials. Uh, so those of us who had that opportunity to, to live the NBA life, and that's what I call it because we stayed at Ritz-Carlton's, we traveled on a private charter, that's gone. And that is no longer going to be part of the makeup of our uh, of our job. So 
Yeah, I mean, the more I think about that, that bums me out because I hate modern day travel. I hate security. I hate everything about it. It's, it's awful. It's awful. It's horrible. TSA pre was the best thing I ever did. You kind of, you know, kind of make it through. You don't really have to wait in line typically. But there's nothing like charter. It leaves on time. It, it goes directly where you want to go. You don't have to change airplanes. You're in a comfortable seat. It's just amazing. It's incredible. And, um, yeah, but think of the southwest points you'll build up. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. But I don't know what it means for me as a person that might have his cancer stir back to life in the summer. And then it'll really put me in peril. I have to be real. Well, you got to worry about it then, though, Tim. I mean, yeah, I, know, exactly. I know you're worried now. But just worry about it when it happens. Yep. Because worrying about it before it happens doesn't help you when it happens. Nope. Nope. Not at all. That's kind of the mindset you got to. You got to take on, and between now and then, I'll keep working in my yard and working around my house and figuring out how to stop my dogs from tracking mud in the house. Man. Move those rocks, my friend. Start moving those rocks in. <laughs> that's, and that brings us full circle. <laughs> that, yeah, that's good. Okay, brother. I'll talk to you later. Good to catch up, and I hope you're doing well. Take care, man. You bet. Good All talk right, man. Bye. See you. Vic's personality is infectious. He's so good at what he does that it's humbling. And he's also a prime example as to why I tell men over 45 to get their PSA checked. Vic was considered too young for a PSA score. And yet he was diagnosed with aggressive stage 3 prostate cancer that scored 9 on the Gleason scale. He was in big trouble but got to his doctor in a nick of time. It's so much better to take an early PSA test or two that offers your doctors a healthy baseline than finding out about prostate cancer after it's been ravaging your body. So again, if you're a man over 45, go get your PSA score to help detect the possibility of emerging prostate cancer. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.